Hello, everybody. This is Samir Azizi, and welcome to Azizi Podcast. It's been a long time, but I'm still here, and just want to check in with you, like the like Bill Burr says in his podcast, and I'm just checking in on you. But sorry for stealing his content or stealing his little catchphrase. Anyways, <clears throat> great podcast. Check out Bill Burr. Also, by the way, while I'm at it, check out Tim Dillon. He uh, <laughs> he's something else. He has this crazy comedic um, niche that he's using, which is kind of like a scandalous thing. I don't know. I kind of like him. I don't know. Maybe I will go see Tim Dillon live here in Toronto. He's going to come here in December 2021. But we'll see. We'll see where I'll be. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to talk a little bit about what has been happening. In the world of boxing, and then in a little bit about my life here as well. Well, first of all, I'd like to talk about Usyk Joshua fight that happened uh, the weekend before, and uh, I'm a little late with that, but I just wanted to share my thoughts. Um, I really like. Obviously, the fight was amazing. Usyk was great. I was cheering for Usyk, but I did not think Usyk would win. I, my official prediction was that Usyk will lose on points. No, actually, that's not wrong. That's wrong. My official prediction was that's going to be a draw, but in reality, Usyk would outpoint Joshua. Um, so I did think that Usyk is a better boxer, but <laughs> I did not think that the British uh, commission or British judges will be uh, fair. So congrats to Usyk. But what I really wanted to talk about is just like, what a great feeling I have experienced. It's it's something like um, redemption, you know? Like, it's I guess that's something that I would feel if Triple G would be granted his deserved victory during the Triple G Canelo 1 fight. Uh, or even 2, but 1, especially because he was so dominant. And that's what I felt like with Usyk Joshua. And it was it was really great. It, it felt like there is some sort of a fair... It, it felt fair, you know? It felt like justice has been done. And it's kind of sad that in boxing you are happy that you're happy because, you know, someone did something right for once. Uh, even though, like, with on the background we see some corruption being unveiled right now in 2016 Olympics in boxing. <clears throat> but it was just, just that feeling. And so that was really rewarding. I was, I was really happy. But at the same time, like, just Usyk himself, you know just how marketable he is and how authentic he is even though i know that his english little english gestures and little phrases and um you know those little i'm very feel i'm very feel those are all a play uh similar how it was with triple g as well he did them he did them however completely understanding that and he was not hiding the fact that he was just trying to uh, to entertain people. He was trying to make people like him because he understood the economy of boxing. But then if you actually listen to him speaking in Russian, you understand how deep of a thinker he is. I would say how deep of a philosopher Usyk is, especially when he's talking um, about his family, about manhood, about religion. And I actually tweeted that in... Uh, I tweeted that on... Uh, I, I tweeted that basically that Usyk for Orthodox Christianity is something like Habib for uh, Islam. 
because he is really like when they ask him what are you fighting for he says i fight for jesus christ i fight i fight for the lord and savior and that was like that sounded really profound and i, and I believe that i you know i i i can only assume that christians all over the world listen to him and and that was it was something inspiring for uh, for them as well because you're not often especially in russian language for example even in english uh you see how a fighter is devoting his victory for god like that and also kind of um putting his money where his mouth is i would say or like really walking the walk by just living the life that he lives so it's a family man he does not party he does not waste money he does not quote-unquote commit sin and stuff like that so he is actually someone you would show to uh, let's say to some kid or a teenager and say like, hey, this is like the athlete and he has his principles, he has his philosophy and, and he is practicing it. He's not just saying it for, you know, for a nice word, you know, just to look good. So in that sense, it's it's very interesting how Usyk is, what Usyk is now represents for people of Ukraine, for Christians around the world and just for the fans of boxing because a lot of people in the United States are in love with him. Uh, I'm sure he will maybe practice his English a little bit in the future. But just what he has achieved in cruiserweight and now heavyweights already will put him in the history books forever and definitely in the Hall of Fame. So congrats to Usyk. And I firmly believe his story is not finished. We'll see how the <clears throat> rematch will happen with uh, Joshua. I believe they already have requested the, the rematch. The big question is where will the rematch take place and Usyk during the press conference after uh, the fight has mentioned that he would love to see the fight in the Olympic Stadium in Ukraine uh, for what then Eddie Hearn in his press conference completely brushed it off and says that does not make sense. Uh, he started arguing that February is a cold month in Ukraine and that's that might be an issue but I believe it's a total, total economics uh, situation whereas if you'd compare what's the average event in Ukraine and Kyiv would cost in, U in Ukrainian currency, hryvna, um, uh, and for like the common people to attend, uh, versus what they would pay at Wembley or Spurs Stadium or whatever in British pounds, and I just came back from London and I can tell you everything is super expensive there, then of course it would definitely make more sense to make uh, the fight in Great Britain and so to that I can say, does that mean that it's 100% going to be in Great Britain? Not necessarily, because we know that uh, Vladimir Klitschko, or Vitaly Klitschko, uh, is the mayor of Kiev, and he's also a former heavyweight, and they widely showed the support for um, Alexander Usyk, and he, they attended the fight and all of that. So what can happen is, I can assume, for example, you know how uh, Qatar or Saudi Arabia would offer their venue to stage the fights and then you would go there and like do the Andy Ruiz Joshua uh, where does where does the money come from not necessarily from the people who attend that event but actually from uh, the state itself so in that regards if uh, Mayor Klitschko will decide to assist in uh, providing the event and in throwing the event in Ukraine with some of the state's money which basically means that they will subsidize the ticket purchasing or some sort of... A, basically, they'll pay for it out of pocket. Um, that can happen.
but that might be you know might be debatable i don't know but i that's the only thing i can see why it would happen if just the state will subsidize or not even the state it's a kind of funny situation because i don't believe that the state is completely 100% supports usik politically uh but the city of kiev with its former champion heavyweight champion boxer mayor uh they're 100% on board with usik they might assist so you know ukrainian situation political situation is a tricky one especially with usik's background um and i guess i believe his statements i haven't done research on that and i'll be honest with you i haven't done research for like deliberately i just really feel like that kind of information is not necessarily useful for a um boxing fan per se so i decided um to be a little ignorant in that regards i don't want to know osik's background in terms of where his politics is uh i just want to see him being a good man and being an amazing athlete i, I believe that's what matters and that what that's what is important for us everything else is simply um destruction and can be a cause for provocation that is completely unnecessary and honestly i believe osik would agree with me as well so overall <laughs> i am personally really inspired by this guy i'm really inspired just by the fact that like the way he talks like they will they ask him what are you going to do now that you became a heavyweight champion and he simply said like what do you mean what am i going to do i'm going to go to my wife i'm going to be loving my life uh, my, loving my wife uh, i don't know if that how was he saying that um in an interesting tone uh i'm going to plant trees i'm going to water the apple trees is it's just like and 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 he's not joking you know he actually says it like i'm just going to do my thing I'm just going to be happy. I'm just going to do my you know his pleasures are very simple and and sometimes when he you know talks on philosophical um topics especially on the topics of consumption and consumption culture consumer culture like he is really kind of underlying the facts that you know a lot of things in life that they think that they're important you know especially the ones that you'd like to buy you know leave that flamboyant uh life they're really not like he and he really underlines like the importance of life on that fundamental things you know family friends um one thing i like what he said is like i don't like to be sad uh with my friends because being sad is a sin um you know and then but at the same time he says like i i really love my wife because at some point of my life i was really really sad and she was supporting me so like it's interesting he's very genuinely like open about his feelings but he also says like this is the code i live by i don't show my sadness to the world because that's a sin but at the same time i'm helpful to for my wife because you know during the low times i am you know being grateful to for her because she supported me and she said at some point that i'm i'm the strongest man in the world i should get up from my knees and i should like go and conquer the world so those kind of things there he's a uh, I like it because he speaks in pictures. You know, he's when he speaks, he paints a picture and from the persuasion point of view, it's really really effective. And he really has that skill, the oratorial skill. So, you know how a lot of people um talk about Muhammad Ali and I'd recently said that Muhammad Ali is is a great athlete not because he is just athletic and won a lot of titles, but it's because of what he did be beyond the rings the things that he said and he bent over to no one he didn't kneel to no one um and that's why he's great he he was saying i was recently saying like looking at what he's saying and he was saying some crazy stuff for 1960s 
1960s, what he was saying. Like, you can see people saying the, that, those kind of things today, and they're still kind of controversial. And he was saying it back then. And that's, I feel like, um, why Muhammad Ali was great, because he kind of led a lot of people to think about certain things. So going back to Usyk, I believe he, he can, if he wants to, become that guy. Maybe it's not uh, the time for him to do just yet, but with his skills, he is a great persuader and he's a great manipulator in terms of manipulating how um, his uh, his opponents and uh, getting under their skin. But also, like he can really persuade people to believe him. He can really persuade people to be inspired by him. So there's something there. I really wish you guys understood how he speaks, what he says. And just his genuine authenticity. I think that's the most important part, is that not just he says, just says some pretty stuff, just some fancy stuff, but he actually lives by it, and you really believe that he does, you know? It's not an act. So again, congrats to Alexander Usyk. I believe they're saying that the rematch is going to take, uh, it's going to take place in March, Eddie Hearn said, due to Usyk's cut, but I think it's also due to the fact that Joshua just needs a little bit more time to figure out how to beat Alexander Usyk. And I don't know if he can or cannot. I honestly, it's it's an interesting one. But at the same time, I do want to acknowledge that Anthony Joshua, um, speaking of champions beyond the ring, the way he acts after he be, he loses is just so respect. It's just so respectable, and I understand the world is watching him. He's that huge superstar. And when he lost to Reese, and now when he lost to Joshua, uh, to Usyk, it's just his reaction is so humble and respectful, and the things that he said are so diplomatic and uh, admirable. Um, and a lot of people, I don't think they understand, or maybe, you know, I don't know. It's just, I know how hard it is to be... Uh, to be polite, you know, in this situation. You're embarrassed... You're shamed. People, you know, say all kinds of stuff about you, but you keep your head up and you tell, "Hey, this was a deserved win. All the best to my opponent. Um, thank you, everyone who attended. I'll be better. I'll come back." Just these simple things in defeat uh, is just so hard to say, especially for boxers. It's. Um, I mean, we can see it with other with other heavyweights, for example. I'm not going to mention any names, but there are a lot of things like this happened in the history where nothing humble like that actually was produced after the defeat. So, um, huge respect to Joshua, too, actually, for being that guy. And that takes a lot of strength, especially when he was... He stayed there, he was making interviews, you know, he stayed there for entire, like, three, four hours, spoke with journalists, you know, just, can you imagine just, and you can see it in his eyes, he stands there, he's defeated, his eyes are dead, you know, you, you can see he's crying, in, in his mind, he's crying, and that's fine, like, that's, it's, it's just, you know, he is going through that, and it's just the defeat, but he's still, st on the outside, he stands there, and he listens to this journalist and he tries to provide answers. He actually tries to comprehend what they are asking. And boxing gen journalists generally asking the same questions. And, you know, I know a lot of boxers don't like that and it's annoying and all of that. But he knows that it's a part of his 
uh, job. He's a professional boxer. He's a showman. He needs to do there. He needs to provide content. He needs to help journalists to provide content about him to be relevant, to, to still acquire that time in the internet, you know, uh, with him as a topic of the main subject. So, I don't know. Just huge mad respect to him. Mad respect to him and his team and whoever is consulting, advising, or who, who, is, who has taught him to be that way. That, that's just a fantastic job. All right, um, Wilder Fury next week. Um, you know, it's funny, like, I, for some reason, decided that Wilder's going to knock Fury out, and I'm really, like, cheering for Wilder to knock Fury out. Um, obviously, I hope Fury's going to be okay, and no one's going to, like, get really hurt. But I don't know. I just feel like I just like the Wilder redemption story more than the Fury reassertion story. And sorry, I was tweeting about that, and some of the top rank. PR people or journalists just or Tom Prank people just uh, just blocked me, like the guy just blocked me. I, like I, I noticed that I was like, and it's, it's funny because it's the guy I know. I, we haven't met personally, but I've called him. We had like a phone conversations and texts, and uh, so I just texted him I'm like, "Hey, how's it going?" And he never replied to me. But I honestly I just wanted to talk to him. Hey, like I noticed that you blocked me, but um, really. <laughs> I don't know. Imagine if I was like a Dallas Cowboy fan, and uh, some of my professional colleague or just uh, my acquaintance was like Packers fan, and I would talk shit about Packers, and and they just blocked me on Twitter, and then we have to like go and see each other again. Like, all right, man. Uh, anyways, I don't think I said anything super disrespectful about Fury. I just said that Wilder really gonna you know make a number on him. It's boxing, right? So I mean. Can't I be supportive of a boxer? And again, I'm not affiliated with Top Rank, and I'm not affiliated with PBC. So, um, but yeah, that's just what I what happened a couple of months ago. And I'm still, you know, it, it hurts. Like, what the hell? Like, why are you blocking me? What's uh, what's with the blocking? The polite thing is actually to mute people. Just mute them, and they don't know that you're being blocked. At the same time, they can talk their smack or whatever. And you just mute them. And then, you know, if you ever need to, especially in boxing, you never actually severe relationships because it's just a small world. And if, especially if you're in boxing promotion, <laughs> you need each other sooner or later. Later, So you sort of like just get back if you mute someone and just like, hey, what's up, man? And now like now that I'm blocked, I'm just like, I don't know. I mean, no disrespect to top rank. I don't think it's a top rank position, but um, it's just that guy. I don't know. Uh, anyways, who cares? Um, Triller. Triller is in trouble. Cambosas, Lopez. You all know what happened. Um, so several things. It's just... Um, uh, I'm seeing Thorsten Mayer in, uh, <laughs> on Twitter like giving out quotes. I recently discovered that he's uh, uh, Triller's uh, chief operating officer. So uh, I know Thorsten from... Triple G, Team Triple G, he was uh, closely working with that. Uh, so when I first started working with Triple G, I, uh, you know, I knew him. So basically I met him there and yeah, it was pretty cool to work with, to work uh, alongside with him. So I know him. And uh, yeah, a couple of months ago, I realized that he's actually <laughs> became Triller COO. So that was, that's, that was pretty cool. That was interesting. Um, <clears throat> kind of a small world. But anyways, um, yeah, Triller, you know, I publicly support Triller. Uh, I'm saying, like, hey, like, I'm 
I'm public. I'll I'll say it that way. I support new platforms getting into boxing promotions. The new, the more new platforms platforms we get, the better it is for everyone in boxing, especially in terms of uh, pay for boxers. There is a real competition. There is more options. There's more platforms for different boxers to be on different undercards. So that's why I was always a proponent, first of all, for the zone, and then for Triller as well. Obviously, there is some problems right now with Triller. They couldn't do the fight with uh, Combosis and Lopez. Um, not nothing more I can say. Or uh, I mean, it's just that. And uh, um, I I wish them all the best. To be honest, I really hope that they will stay in boxing. Uh, but I also see from the outside that it might be difficult for them. So I don't know. I really wish them the best. I really want them to succeed. I really loved the production for the first Tyson fight that they did. It was amazing. I like the versus stuff. It's just, uh, I think there's some sort of a... I'm, I'm just assuming, because boxing, again, it's just such a close... It's a, such a closed game. Like, it's for the insiders. And that's what I always oppose. That's what I want. Um, I, I want it to be broken. Uh, and that's where I think Triller came in. And I, and I feel like there was no... Um, how do you say... You know, like when you're a new guy, or no, no, what's the example? Let's say you are, <laughs> I'm, read, I'm reading Noam Chomsky right now, so I'm like giving you like, let's say you would like to invest in Central Asian or Middle Eastern country, right? And you're like, all right, how do we do that? And you're Americans or British or Europeans or Canadians for that matter. And you're like, what do we do? Okay, we need to invest. Like, okay, who do we talk to? Well, there's this guy uh, in the government, let's say. Okay, how do we approach him? Can we just call him? Like, just come in there and just, like, incorporate and start, like, knocking at his door? Uh, call upon his constituents or, like, I don't know, his, his office and, like, publicly? I don't know, something like that. And they will tell you, like, nah, man, of course not. That's not how you do things. Um, let me just say that we need to find a guy who knows a guy who is in on the inside, who can do different stuff, right, and uh, and stuff like that. And then they can be an intermediary and broker some sort of a deal for us and everyone trusts the guy and blah, 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 like that. Um, <laughs> and then you can actually, you know, through that person, and sorry to say guy, when I say guy, I'm just meaning a person, can be a girl as well. Um, <clears throat> that's how you do things, right? Uh, and I think that's maybe something that um, Triller was missing or is missing. Maybe not even, maybe not missing anymore, but I think maybe that's the case. Who knows? I don't know. Um, but that's just like my general view from the outside position is that like they're the new game uh, on the field. They're the new person on the field, right? Um, but do they know all the rules? Do they know all the right people? Or do they have the network of the right connections? Uh, that is uh, maybe, that is not clear. Maybe that is what happened that is the issue <coughs> but nonetheless i strongly believe if tr if thrillers survive this and if they will learn their lessons um they can be a really nice major force to deal with um so we'll see all right um and best of luck to um kavana the guy who owns the whole thing the whole shebang um all right so four years I have it four years. Uh, tomorrow is going to be an important day. Tomorrow is um, tomorrow is four. Uh, 
tomorrow is two uh, two years since I came to Canada. And I'm honestly in shock. I cannot believe it's been two years. It genuinely feels like maybe it's been one year. And yes, obviously due to the pandemic and lockdown and all that, everything went so quickly, it went by. But it's still surreal to me that it's now two years. Like almost like it was seems like yesterday I came here uh, to the Airbnb and recorded the episodes in Russian where I said, hey, this is my life in Canada and blah, blah, blah. And now it's been two years. It's been two years and I'm not even over 100 episodes. <laughs> That's another thing. But yeah, it's two years in Canada. And, and what I really would like to say is that Canada is a great country. And I'm saying that without any sort of uh, sarcasm or any sort of back thoughts. It's just a great country to live in. It's, I would say, relatively easy country to live in, especially if you're in my position, uh, which is, you know, you have Western education, you have the language, uh, which is a huge privilege. You know, I understand that I have this huge privilege when I came here. So I, I definitely can't say like, oh, I came with like a couple cents in my pocket, you know, but I still came here by myself without anything, you know, knowing anyone. So I can still do some immigrant braggadocious things or say them. But in reality, um, it's just a very convenient country to live in. And I just like to say uh, that I'm very thankful. I'm very thankful for the people of Canada. I'm very thankful for just this land, uh, for the system. Um, it really gives you a sense of comfort. And I just talked to my, mom, to my mom on the phone and I told her, like, perhaps Canada is a little bit way too more comfortable to live in and really kind of takes the hustle away from you. And I'm actually comparing comparing it to United States. In the United States, even though there's more, more money there, there's still this weird feeling, you know, there's this, it's like you're in a competition all the time. In Canada, I don't know, there's not no such thing. So you have to really, you have to really cultivate that in you and maintain that in you. So anyways, two years, huge date. And then another one is I'm turning 30. I am turning 30, dirty 30, 30 uh, Wednesday. So so it was kind of like my plan to, camp to, to come to Canada like right before my birthday, not stay in Kazakhstan to celebrate it. It was like my sacrifice to just show the world and myself how serious I am about doing what I want. So it was like about my little plan of like coming here and getting like to this success. So I was like, I don't care if it's birthday or not, I'm getting as soon as I can here and I'm going in and I'm hustling. So that's why I came two years, uh, two days before my birthday, I think. How old was I? I was 27 when I came here. And I turned 28 right away. And then uh, I remember coming uh, to Canada, Golovkin versus Derivachenko was the next day. And then the day after was my birthday. <laughs> It was a, you know, it was interesting. Uh, it's I still can't believe it's been two years. That's just crazy. Um, so thirty years. You know, I was thinking of making some sort of a blog post or speech or something like reflecting back on uh, on everything. And I think I'm still getting there. I'm trying to figure out: Do I regret anything? Do I regret not doing anything? Um, and the only things is just like I I, I regret maybe not. Uh, having as much fun as I could have, you know, during all my time in the United States, during bachelor degree, during master's work, living in California. Uh, I'm still planning to go to California, actually. I'm probably going to celebrate it in Los Angeles um, this weekend. But uh, it's just 
that time, you know, when you're relatively like maybe you have less I don't know, it's fine. See, that's the whole thing about Canada. It's just like I cannot say like I have a lot of problems right now. I'm gonna knock on wood because you never know. And that's the thing, you know, when you don't have a lot of problems, you always think like they will come eventually. And so you have to be ready for them, right? And that's what I honestly keep my keep in mind. It's a very pessimistic viewpoint, but I I don't wanna lose my guard, you know. The world can turn upside down on you very quickly. So I'm just so I'm I'm definitely maybe it's the Russian thing in me, um, but it is what it is. Either way, um, yeah, it's just I think th that that's the regret. Um, but overall, you know, you're living an interesting life, and uh, you know, so what what else? What more can you can say? You just you're just blessed, you know. You, I think staying positive is the best thing. Like I wish I'd stayed positive more. Uh, during the past 10 years in terms of like being more optimistic you know my system of life is like I'm pessimistic and therefore I hustle and what I'm working on right now is switching it to I'm optimistic and therefore I hustle it's hard to explain but it's this is where you are you're like you're unhappy about where you are that's why you hustle but I'm trying to switch it to you're happy what's happening to you and that what gives you power uh, to, to move and do more great things. This is what I'm trying to switch to. Long journey, but you have to work on that. Ah, so 30 years. We'll see. We'll see. Um, you know, I was... Uh, it's kind of like... I, I went to England recently. It was a great trip. I saw my friends and... Uh, England was pretty cool. Um, nothing special, actually. Like, I was surprised how ordinary it looked to me in comparison to Toronto because Toronto is, is part of British Empire used to be and so like the whole architecture is the same everything's the same if anything the roads are more confusing in, in London that's the only thing I not the only thing but like kind of like went right in my face but um, I was flying back and there was this Russian dude sitting next to me he was 61 year old he, he was asking me to help him with his um, to fill out some of his documents on upon arrival and so we were talking and and I asked him like um, what what did you do when you turned 30? Uh, and he, like, he was so, like, you know, he was very happy-go-lucky kind of guy when he, we were talking, but when I asked his question, he changed in face, and uh, he says, well, it was the 90s, and he was, like, in the 90s, Moscow, and then he pointed to his chin, and I said, I don't know what this means. Uh, I was like, he made a gesture, and he said, no, no, I'm, look, like, the whole scar and the scar was so huge that I haven't even noticed it yet because it was across the whole chin uh, so he basically said like yeah he was a part of he basically was pointing to the fact that he was part of the 90s um, life which is connected to gangs and criminal activity and all of that um, he didn't say that but like that's implied when you say 90s um, so yeah, so I'm just, uh, I don't know, this kind of like, kind of gave me like this perspective, like, there's no, it's it's hard to kind of like speak with, uh, with immigrants who are like over 60, 60 like that about, you know, your past and all of that, because their 30 was so different from our 30. Um, here you are trying to survive, you know, for your life and you can get like killed or whatever. And uh, other people here in Canada are just like, oh, I need, you know. I don't know, to a certain amount of sales or I need to like do an Instagram post, a podcast. Like I was Instagram posting the whole thing in England and uh, 
a lot of people liked it. Some people were like, what are you doing? And blah, blah, blah. But it's just like, yeah, that's what I do. You know? So, I don't know. It, it just feels like it, it's a little scary that um, that your day-to-day minutia is just basically very trivial and it doesn't have a lot of meaning. Like if I don't do an Instagram post, no one gonna care and I'm not gonna become poor. And let's say if I had like kids, they would not start because of that. So it's just like a thing, but I, that was like my thing. Like I want, I want to make sure like it's a story. Um, <clears throat> why I do this is basically for marketing purposes and stuff like that, PR, brand management. But that's just a hobby. This is this, this does not directly relate to my immediate income. Um, but what does that mean? I don't know. I guess that just means that. Don't, here's what it means for me, like, how I say, it's like, hey, like, first of all, count your blessings, like, this is, if, if this is, like, a thing for you, like, you're just, you know, go to work and, and, like, do a podcast, watch boxing, and, like, complain on Instagram, and, you know, shit posting on Twitter, if that's your life, like, that's a pretty good life, but at the same time, but that does not mean you have to, like, that's, how, it does not necessarily mean for everyone, but, like, that's how I think, is like, but that's, but do you work to the whole 100% capacity? Do you hustle? Do you do you really use every opportunity that you have, like with your every cell of your body, to become the best you, you know? And the answer is like, I'm not sure, probably not, because I'm too comfortable. And this is where he's like, okay, are you too comfortable because you're not being discomforted by the outside? Yes, that's true. Okay. So if that's the only motivator that did, like that moves you from your comfort zone and the only like the only thing that you need to get to, to the hustle mode is for someone to make you uncomfortable that's not a good system. A good system will be convincing yourself that this zone of comfort that you live in is not the 100% of the potential that you can achieve. Ah, so um this is where I am right now. So I just really kind of starting to kind of feel like, okay, this, this, this is, we should like kind of, you know, it's 30 years old, you know, back in the day, I would say, we would say half a life has already passed you. Luckily, you know, the life expectancy is a little, <laughs> a little longer, knock on wood again. But yeah, it's been 30 years. How do you, how do you want to like make your um, next 30 year look like? So that's that's the kind of question. This is where I am, and my father actually told me a couple of years ago. I was like, "Yeah, you you have the energy until you're 29. After 29, it all goes downhill." And the same is in boxing, right? So it's just like there's a lot of those kind of things. And where it's like, okay, I need to make sure that my health is good. I need to make sure that I have enough energy to keep pushing, to keep doing what I want, to keep uh, striving for success. You know, all those things. But yeah, but those kind of pep talks, the self talks, self analyzing. It really helps because at least you find some answers, you know, you don't, you don't feel like, ah, oh, shit, like what, what else should I do? Like, this is just nah. but you can actually, you ask yourself hard questions and then you get to those answers uh, yourself as well. I mean, it's not necessarily, you can talk to your friends, to your family about that. And then you sort of like, you have your little goal, like a plan. I don't know. I just, uh, you know, yesterday I saw this random reel, Instagram reel. It was an old video of Floyd Mayweather. He was running, and he was just yelling this mantra. Uh, dedication, hard work, 
Dedication, hard work. Dedication, hard work. I'm the one man on. Uh, I'm the one man army. I'm the one man army. The whole world can turn against me, and I will still get on top. Dedication, hard work. And it was just like, like even right now, I'm saying this. I have goosebumps. How he was. I don't know, and I genuinely believe when he was saying that he was he was being filmed and he was you know jogging basically. I genuinely think that's how that's his mentality, and and a lot of people shit on Floyd Mayweather, but the insiders, and I've been told that, understand they know that Floyd Mayweather is crazy fanatic about hard work, and he is just it's it's the way his his work discipline. Uh, ethics are just ridiculous so that's I mean uh, I've been told that so I don't know it's just really kind of it was like a wake-up call it reminded me about myself you know um, back in I, I think I discussed that those couple moments in my life where that was mine I was like having that kind of same mantra and I was just going there like a uh, like a train just doing my thing like obsessed and i really miss that feeling so anyways i'm just saying that was really really inspirational and uh we'll see we'll see i will see what that's gonna lead to but um yeah so anyways anywho anyhow that's gonna be it for today ladies and gentlemen let's gonna watch Usyk joshua too um, sometime in March, and Wilder Fury 2, 3 actually, uh, this weekend, see what's gonna happen, there's gonna be a couple of other fights as well, and, uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and subscribe to my YouTube channel, YouTube channel actually became super English, uh, excuse me, super Russian, so, um, if you understand Russian, I feel like that's gonna bring you the most value. But anyways, thank you everybody. Um, definitely reach out to me if you have any questions or comments. And if you can post like a review of my podcast on anywhere that you listen to, it would be cool. Um, but yeah, definitely DM me uh, if you heard this episode and if you have any thoughts on what I just said. Alright everyone, this was Samir Azizi. Uh, Till next time. <laughs>